Hello and welcome to episode 629 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. Week two is officially behind us. It was a really bad start to the year for injuries. Flowed through to week one and week two, another really, really bad week for injuries. It's going to set up situations like Jerome Ford as a league winner. We'll talk about the Cam Akers situation, Kieran Williams as a league winner. Evan, how was your week two? It was good. Made some money. It was a lot better than week one. Like all the guys that I liked stunk in week one and a bunch of them had really big games in week two. I know people were nervous because I was like getting you know tweets in my mentions about, are you worried? Are you worried? I, I wasn't worried. And, and a lot of those fears were alleviated in week two. Notre Dame is undefeated. Ohio State coming to South Bend. I saw that Penn State pulled up on Illinois. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of positivity in the air these days. <laughs> they pulled up. They pulled up. Yes, the youth are all saying they pulled up on Illinois. Great win for Penn State. On today's show, we are going to go team by team through all 32 teams. We got some feedback that people wanted us to do this pod all as one instead of two. So we're going to talk through all 32 teams here today, everything we saw in week two, what it means going forward. We will be doing this every week right here. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. It is indeed free. Before we get into it today, two things. First, we are currently working on our rest of season top 150 rankings. There will be significant changes from our rest of season top 150 from week one. We think it is a very useful tool for trading in season long for digesting how to think about players for rest of season, factors in buys, injuries, usage, et cetera. If you have DraftKit Pro or our in-season package, be on the lookout for the rest of season top 150 on Wednesday. Also, I know best ball season is sadly over, but our friends at Underdog still have a ton of action. Weekly snake draft tournaments. They announced a live final in Miami. Lots more. Use promo code ETR when you sign up at Underdog for a matching deposit bonus up to $100. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. All right, small switch here today. We're going to start with the five most important teams for the week, and then we'll get into alphabetical team by team by conference. The story of the week, Evan, is the devastating injury suffered Monday night by Nick Chubb. He's undergoing knee surgery, will miss the rest of the season. Just, I mean, brutal for one of the best runners in the history of the NFL, certainly in today's NFL. Looking forward, a guy that we all really liked during the pre-draft process, Jerome Ford, is going to be the starter. And I think they'll bring someone in, but I still think Jerome Ford will be the starter. You saw what Jerome Ford could do last night. Comes in, rips off 16-106-0 rushing, tackled to the one-inch line or so. Pierre Strong comes in for that touchdown. But man, Jerome Ford also went 325-1 receiving. And so I am super optimistic on Jerome Ford going foot going forward as part of this scheme. Evan, what was your reaction to this Chubb injury and thoughts on Jerome Ford and the Browns running back situation going forward? Yeah, I mean, it sucks for Nick Chubb. And we I've not yet seen the actual extent of the injury, but we do know that he tore multiple ligaments. It was a brutal injury. They wouldn't even show the replay yeah. on TV, but you could find it on Twitter if you want to watch that kind of thing. I mean, I, I wanted to see it just because I wanted to see what happened. Um and it was, it was brutal. Jerome Ford, I, I'm worried about Nick Chubb the rest of his career. I mean, and this is a guy that we loved coming into the season. Yeah, He's such a talented player. We we had bets on him to win Offensive Player of the Year, you know, but, I mean, 
I don't know. It's it's extremely unfortunate. I think that Jerome Ford is going to be awesome. And Kevin Stefanski came out and immediately dubbed him the feature, the new feature back for the Browns. Um, you could, it, it also showed, you know, because he missed like a month with a hamstring injury in training camp. They didn't really bring anybody in. They, no. they traded for Pierre Strong, but, you know, nobody of, of, you know, significant consequence. Like they believe in Jerome Ford. They have an offensive line that is built to run block. They have a dual threat quarterback. Kevin Stefanski comes from the Kyle Shanahan or really, really the Kubiak background. And they all have always had successful running games. You saw that the acceleration with which Jerome Ford could move on Monday night. He, I mean, he's going to end up being an, an awesome, awesome late round pick and, and with, with like league winning potential for sure. And I mean, they showed so much confidence in Jerome Ford. They did not make him compete for the running back two job before he pulled his hamstring in August. He was sitting out preseason games because they were like, he doesn't have to compete. I mean, Jerome Ford already had it. They have a ton of confidence in him. Now they are going to add someone. I don't know if it's going to be Kareem Hunt, who they have experience with, or Laren Fournette, or someone else. They're going to add him. I still think Jerome Ford would be worth, if he's on waivers, blowing the rest of my fab on if I had fab and certainly number one waiver priority on Jerome Ford. While we're on the subject of the Browns, Evan, are you worried about Deshaun Watson at this point? Another bad game for Deshaun Watson, I thought, in a Browns uniform, 22 of 40 for 235 yards. One touchdown. He did have Amari Cooper out there. And I thought Amari actually, despite the groin thing, looked reasonably okay. How worried are you about Deshaun Watson at this point? It's been like, I think, eight games now where he has not looked good as a Brown. Yeah, and he can still be fine in fantasy. He was, at, he was the overall quarterback five in week one. He ran six times for 22 yards on Monday night against Pittsburgh. But he is not playing well in, in real life, like at all. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league through two games. And you know, not playing football for so long, he's skittish. He hasn't taken hits in a really long time. That, that's one of the reasons that you often see players, football players, miss an entire season. They just they they never they they they're never the same because you know you you build up like that the the calluses from taking all the hits and he does not want to get hit back there and he's dropping his eyes and staring at the pass rush and he just looks like an uncomfortable player. Let's move to the Rams, the number two team we had on the most important of the week. I mean, Jay Glazer comes out of nowhere at about 1255 Eastern on Sunday morning and says Cam Akers is going to be a healthy scratch. Now, we had suspicion and reports well before this that Kyron Williams was going to play a ton, that uh, Kieran Williams was going to be a pass down back. He was going to mix in for them to just dump cam Akers, and it looks like he's gonna be traded or cut now is pretty wild and the workload that they gave kieran williams was wild kieran williams in this game on sunday against the 49ers played 76 snaps you do not see that in today's nfl 76 ronnie rivers played four royce freeman played zero zach evans was a healthy scratch cam Akers was a healthy scratch 76 of 80 snaps for Kieran Williams. Now, Evan, you have said before you thought Kieran Williams is more of a theoretic type of pass catching back mm -hmm. only. The Rams clearly see it differently. They see him mm -hmm. as an every down workhorse, the likes of which we don't see this kind of usage in today's NFL. What are your thoughts on this whole Rams running back mess right now? Especially for a player who's 194 pounds and tested poorly at the combine. I mean, 
but but again, I'll tell you what, Kieran Williams, Kyron Williams is a really good football player. I mean, I I saw him play live at Notre Dame. He was like the leader, you know, rallying the, you know, rallying the, rallying his teammates. I mean, he was like, you know, he's the captain, and you know, he comes, he pays his dues on special teams. He gets hurt last year. He comes back. He beats out Cam Akers. I mean, the the coaching staff loves him, and um. They're, they're, that is reflected in the workload that they are giving him. Right now, there are only two NFL players with double-digit red zone carries, Kyron Williams and Tony Pollard. Um, I, I also have been so impressed with the Rams' usage of their wide receivers. I mean, they're, they're using Tutu Atwell in like a Tyreek Hill sort of role, and Puka Nakua, who's, not, who's been playing hurt, uh, has 25 targets, I'm sorry, 35 targets, 35 targets through two games. I was listening to the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. I love this comparison. Uh, TJ Hushmanzada for uh, Puka Nakua. I, I think that there are a lot of similarities there. Uh, that their names are both hard to say. Um, or other, no. Um, yeah, I, my Puka take is that, look, when you play wide receiver and you're with Matthew Stafford, you are going to have a chance to put up huge fantasy numbers. I mean, he made Matthew Stafford made Kenny Galladay look like a star. Golden Tate had 1,300 receiving yards with Matthew Stafford. Marvin Jones was a borderline pro bowler with Matthew Stafford. Tutu, like Evan mentioned, is playing really well. I mean, Matthew Stafford was behind. Robert Woods had a really big year. Robert Woods. Matthew I mean, Stafford. It, it, Matthew Stafford was the, the, the man behind Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. Historic seasons. I think the question that people have now is what will happen if slash when Cooper Cup comes back. My take is Cooper Cup can win. I'm sorry. My take is Puka can win on the outside. He will continue to play and earn targets there. The role, obviously, though, this Cooper Cup role is the one that is so voluminous and strong. So obviously, Puka is going to take a hit when Cooper Cup comes back. But man, I still think he'll be startable in fantasy. Maybe that's a hot take. And I think very startable, actually. Evan, what's your take on Puka when Cup comes back? Yeah, I think that his role right now is similar to Robert Woods' role. So he's going – I mean, he, he's going to play on the outside, but, I mean, they're, they're not going to put him on isolation routes running down the sideline. He's going to do a lot of over-the-middle stuff. That's why he's been, you know, banged up a little bit. He's taking a lot of hits. I mean, he's yeah. his workload – we talk about workloads with running backs. His workload as a wide receiver right now is just massive. Yeah. Um, and they give him a couple carries too, and as yeah, if he didn't yeah. have enough bangs on his body. Yeah, yeah and he had a, a bunch of rushing touchdowns in college. I mean, um, I, I'm with I'm with you. I think that he can be a, a, an every week wide receiver two slash three at worst, even when Cooper Cup comes back. Robert Woods was a uh, an every week fantasy starter there for a, uh, for a minute uh, under Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford. Okay, third biggest story of the week comes from the Eagles. Big news was this DeAndre Swift massive, massive breakout. And they clearly don't like Rashad Penny. I mean, even with Kenny Gamewell out due to the rib injury, Boston Scott left this game early against the Vikings with a concussion. Rashad Penny still only played nine snaps. DeAndre Swift was unreal. 31 of 40 running back opportunities while playing 58 of 77 snaps. I think the way Swift performed against the Vikings on Thursday is the way all of us in the community thought that DeAndre Swift always could, but coaches never agreed with us. And it's like, now it's like, oh yeah, well, if you give DeAndre Swift 20, 25 touches, he's going to have really, really efficient and strong results. 
The question is, when Kenny Gainwell comes back, how do you see this backfield going, Evan? What do you think of Swift's breakout and all the Eagles running back stuff? Yeah, and Boston Scott also suffered a concussion. And Boston Scott had some nice runs in that game, was playing ahead of Rashad Penny. There's something up with Rashad Penny. Remember, he broke his leg last year. He also committed a holding penalty that uh, negated a long A.J. Brown touchdown. So, I mean, I, I I think there's almost every reason for him to stay in the doghouse. Yeah, even drop Rashad Penny, I think. Yeah. I, I will say that there should be some context added to DeAndre Swift's b- big game. Number one, did people really play him? He had two touches in the first game. And I understand that Gainwell was out. Yeah. But that, that took some, some cojones to play him after two touches in the first week. Second, so the way that Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator, who, by the way, isn't doing very well, um, played the Eagles was to just drop a ton of dudes into coverage and have soft defensive fronts, and the Eagles' offensive line will just destroy you when you do that. And so that and, – and look, DeAndre Swift had some great runs in the game. I'm not taking that, I'm not taking that away from him. But um, I, I do think that that's worth noting, that the specific way that the Vikings played him led – you know that's the context that you need, or I, I think you need that piece of context to to layer on, you know, what, what DeAndre Swift accomplished in that game. I, I talked a bit about this on the solo pod. Um, more teams and defenses are playing this style of defense, right? And so there's going to be more rushing efficiency, I think, and there's going to be more short passes, which is just perfect for DeAndre Swift. So, yeah, I, I think Kenny Gamewell is going to come back and play a lot, but I do not think that DeAndre Swift is just going to go back to two touches. Like the cat is out of the bag. Now it'll be more of a rotation. I think between Gainwell and Swift with Boston Scott mixing in also. AJ Brown was screaming at Jalen hurts on the sideline. I think he's going to be the squeaky wheel squeaky wheel now. Yes. Um, he also, he is number five in the NFL right now in air yard share. So it's yeah. coming for AJ Brown. I mean, and if AJ Brown, if that touchdown doesn't get called back, you know, everybody, nobody's worried about AJ Brown. I'd also yeah. note that despite AJ Brown screaming at Jalen Hurts, these guys are actually really good friends. They took their kids to like Disney World together and stuff like that. There's a funny picture of them together. So yeah, not worried about AJ Brown at all. All right. Fourth biggest story comes from Cincinnati where they are 0-2 and Joe Burrow has been absolutely horrific. I mean, in this game against the Ravens in the first half, he was a disaster. And this was time it was in fine weather against the Ravens, against a shaky-ish defense and then at the end of the game on that on that second t higgins touchdown joe burrow aggravates the calf injury that he originally sustained way back in the preseason evan any thoughts on what's going on with the bengals right now jamar chase who was the consensus number two overall pick in fantasy has been doing nothing but hurt teams so far yeah um i'm just i'm real worried about joe burrow that i mean he he obviously aggravated his calf injury and Zach Taylor on Monday was non-committal on uh, Joe Burrow playing this week. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm very concerned about it. I the the one positive that I took away from the game against the Browns um, again. Oh, the Browns against the Ravens. Against the Ravens yep. uh, it, it was a problem against the Browns. They could not they could not protect against the Browns, but they did protect pretty well against the Ravens. Let me see. All right. Yeah. Burrow took one sack on 42 dropbacks and only took five quarterback hits. And so they it, it seemed like they got their protection a little bit in order. But if Joe Burrow is going to miss, like this offense could absolutely tank. Their backup is Jake Browning yeah. 
undrafted free agent from 2019 out of the University of Washington. I, I saw Jake Browning in preseason. It was not pretty. I mean, uh-huh. if they have to go with with Jake Browning, it's going to be a real, real, real problem. They do have a very soft schedule upcoming. Rams, Titans, Cardinals, Seahawks next. But yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to watch it on Joe Burrow. And for people out there saying that the reason that, that I think people think that the calf injury was to blame for how poorly Joe Burrow played in weeks one, and week two, I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, he seemed pretty fine. He was practicing in full. The team expressed no concern. The aggravation is what mm-hmm. concerns me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that it's notable that Chris Evans was out for this game. Travion Williams did not just jump in and, and take all the passing down stuff. Uh, Joe Mixon got more passing down stuff. So if Chris Evans is going to continue to miss time, that would be good news for Joe Mixon's Passing game usage, he saw five targets, four catches for 36 yards in this one. All right. Fifth biggest story of the week comes from Detroit. This was a wild game. These teams have played two absolute stone-cold shootouts the last two years. Detroit drops this one to Seattle. The big news, of course, was the frustrating and honestly devastating for me. David Montgomery was my most clicked player during the best ball and season-long process every time it got to me. In round seven and round eight, I was taking David Montgomery. Looks like he hurt his quad. He's going to be out anywhere from one to three weeks. After David Montgomery left this game, and this was in the third quarter, nearish the end of the third quarter, after David Montgomery left, Jameer Gibbs got eight opportunities, three carries, five targets. And Craig Reynolds got four opportunities, three carries, one target. The easy assumption, Evan, is that Jameer Gibbs is just going to go off now. I'm not sure the Lions see it that way uh but i do think the role will expand what do you think about the lions backfield without david montgomery going forward well at least now it is within jameer gibbs range of potential outcomes that he can have like 16 to 19 touch games i I agree with you he's not going to dominate the backfield they're going to use another guy um probably craig reynolds um you know, I, but I, 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 but at least now you have like this level of upside that you did not have before. Yes. Um, and, and you have a, a safer floor as well. So Jameer Gibbs, I mean, the arrow is up on him for sure. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about their offensive line. Taylor Decker, ankle injury, uh, Vitae, their uh, right guard, knee injury. So, they, and, and that's like the, the foundation of, of, of this offense. I mean, they, they, their offensive line, they, they pride themselves on winning in the trenches and their offensive line has been really, really good when healthy and it was largely healthy throughout last season. Um, but I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, one thing for Jameer Gibbs that I wanted to mention is the defensive stuff I just mentioned is really good for him, right? Tons of teams sinking back, giving up underneath stuff is good for Jameer Gibbs for sure. And then also good for Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I, Marvin Jones can't play anymore, man. I mean, the guy is just a total mess out there and it doesn't seem like they want to give Khalif Raymond more so what you have is Jameer Gibbs Josh Reynolds Sam Laporta supporting Amon Ra St. Brown it's good for Jameer Gibbs and by the way this Josh Reynolds stuff man I mean he has a shower narrative from the time together that Jared Goff had uh with the Rams but Josh Reynolds is playing really well right now and considering how bad Marvin is I think it's kind of sticky on the Josh Reynolds stuff what do you think about him in season long going forward. Yeah, at least until Jamison Williams comes back, yeah. Josh Reynolds is going to be the Lions' top vertical threat. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right. They're 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 committed to not using Khalif Raymond as anything more than a situational deep threat. Sam Laporta has been awesome. I mean, he's like a every 
every week fantasy starter right Agreed. now. He's got five catches apiece in each of his first two NFL games. And I mean, they're, they're feeding him the rock. I want to note that when you're making close decisions on Lions stuff, like it's so simple, but the home versus road is so striking. They are so much better offensively at home in Jared Goff's Lions career, 2.17 touchdowns per game. At home, 0.87 on the road. I mean, it is striking, the home road splits for Jared Goff. They're at home this week against Atlanta. All right. That's going to do it for the top five. We're now going to get into the NFC and just go alphabetical here. As always, Arizona blew a 20 to nothing halftime lead to Daniel Jones and the Giants. I mean, this felt like a ceiling game for the offense. James Conner was ripping through the Giants in the first half. He finishes with 23-1061. Marquise Brown was decent. But then in the second half, you see them do what we thought the Cardinals would do all along, which is really struggle to move the football. Evan, any takes from the Cardinals' burial? I mean, this was their chance to get a win. 20 nothing home against the Giants. Any thoughts on their ugly loss? Yeah, but they, they don't want to win. That's so true. <laughs> they, they're, they're getting the job done. They're 0-2. Um, Josh Dobbs actually played like the game of his life against the Giants. He was like really good. Um, I, I don't know that that means that he's going to be really good going forward. I would say, I, I would say that, um, I don't, I didn't have any really strong takeaways. The workload is massive for James Conner right now. He's playing almost every snap in the backfield. And then uh, I guess my other takeaway is Zach Ertz right now. Oh. TJ Hawkinson leads all NFL tight ends and catches. Zach Ertz is second. Yeah. I mean, are, are they truly auditioning him for a trade? You think Zach Ertz has turned 18 targets into 77 yards and no touchdowns. When you put Zach Ertz out there, you're not showcasing him for a trade. You're making it worse. When he plays, yeah, he earns targets. He can't do anything with them. So I don't think they're going to get much for Zach Ertz if that's the idea. It is very frustrating. I do think that it's a decent time if you have James Conner, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz. If you don't think that these guys are going to be traded to a better situation, it's a decent time to at least explore the trade market. But I can't imagine there's much thirst out there in the trade market for these guys anyways. Yeah. They got Dallas's ferocious defense yeah. on deck. Atlanta. Narrow, narrow win for the Falcons over the Green Bay Packers. Atlanta stays undefeated along with the Saints. I have those real long shot bets I think I talked about on here on both the Saints and the Falcons to be the final undefeated team, please God, one time. But anyways, story coming out of the game, as always, was Bijan Robinson. If you watch tape on this guy and I am no tape bro but I actually really like watching Bijan Robinson he is incredible at making people miss and doing explosive things with the football in his hand they are so committed to the run I know it's frustrating how much they're using Algier they're so committed that even with Algier playing a ton Bijan still is getting 14 and a half carries and five and a half targets per game I mean he's run 47 routes on 60 Desmond Raider dropbacks he leads the team in target share at 22 percent I don't hate the way that Bijan Robinson is being used for fantasy. I actually think it's going to be really, really mm-hmm. productive. So good win, I guess, for the Falcons here. What, if any, takeaways did you have from them? Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah's comparison for Bijan Robinson is Ladanian Tomlinson, yeah. who's like maybe the greatest fantasy football player of all time. I mean, yeah. he's he's definitely up there. Um, Desmond Ritter is not good. He should have been picked off three times in this game. They were losing by 12 points in the fourth quarter, and they're still running the ball. Yeah, um, They know where their bread is buttered. And, and you know, Arthur Smith is going to keep 
smashing that that run play button. They wound up scoring 13 to come back and win. I missed my bet. I, I had them at one and a half. So that was that was a little bit painful. And I and I love that in because it, it had moved to three. So we had a really good closing line value there and still didn't get it. That that, that was frustrating. Um CPAT was inactive. Cordero Patterson was inactive. Yeah. So he's still working his way back. Johnu Smith out targeted Kyle Pitts six to five against Green Bay. Um yeah, th- those are my takeaways from, from the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, Drake London showed up with a decent game yeah. here. Um, I think Drake London is an awesome, awesome, awesome NFL player. I actually like having him on my team. The problem is that either Desmond Ritter is so bad or the Falcons think he's so bad. They're just trying to hide him at all costs. And so the ceiling is just going to be capped on all these guys. And yeah, on the pit stuff, you know, if you're, if you're going to, when you do throw, it should be schemed to your best players. You know, Johnny Smith is not one of your best players. So yeah, that stuff is frustrating for sure. I think that Arthur Smith, oh, Arthur Smith, that, that John who played for Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Yep. I think Arthur Smith doesn't think very much of Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's behind, behind all this. Certainly would make sense. Panthers on Monday Night Football fall to 0-2. They're actually in the game against the Saints, but the offense continues to be a struggle for this Panthers team. Miles Sanders gets 17 touches, but only turns it into 47 yards and no touchdowns. And, you know, that kind of lack of efficiency is what happens when you're no longer on the Eagles. Evan, any takeaways for you on the Panthers' loss to the Saints last night? They're just not very talented offensively. Um, oof, Bryce Young looks small out there. He's averaging like four yards per pass attempt through two games. I don't, I don't, I didn't really have a bunch on them. Yeah. Uh, DJ Chark was active after missing week one with a hamstring injury. Nobody's getting open in the Panthers pass catcher core. I, I'm not, I'm definitely not putting it all on Bryce Young's shoulders because the offensive line is an issue and the pass catcher core is a major issue. Uh, I think Hayden Hurst can probably be dropped at this point. He's not even running a full complement of routes for the Panthers. And the other takeaway I have is, and this is going to sound disgusting. I didn't take, I didn't, I don't think I clicked Adam Thielen a single time this summer. I did probably like 70 or 80 drafts, uh, uh, mostly best ball, but I don't think I clicked Adam Thielen uh, a single time. He's the kind of guy that could show up in December and be like, this guy has 85 catches this year. Like, how? Yeah. How? I was going to say, he's going to catch 90 balls by default. Right. And like, yeah, I, I should have just been taking him more because Chark and Mingo probably aren't it Mingo does not look great but yeah I think 80 to 90 catches for Adam Thielen assuming he can stay healthy even though he's not very good anymore is certainly 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 in the range Bears ugly ugly loss for the Bears down there in Tampa I think the national media and the local media is on what kind of a lot of us have been saying for a while Josh uh, Justin Fields is not it I mean just Mm. is not it at the NFL quarterback level it seems time almost time to press the panic button for the bears on Justin Fields. Now he can still have big fantasy games. I think he still will have big fantasy games, but from a real life perspective, it looks broken for Justin Fields and the bears right now. Evan, any thoughts on their performance down in Tampa? Very poor, very poor, painful to watch really. Um, Yeah. You know, Justin Fields, he did have a, a sick, uh, like needle threading uh, touchdown pass to uh, Chase Claypool, who led the team in targets. Um, 
and, and DJ Moore went went for over 100 yards. The thing is that I, I don't think that the, the Bears coaching staff is putting Justin Fields in position to succeed. I think that we talked about this either on last week's Tuesday or, or the Friday show or maybe both. They are minimizing his strengths and, and highlighting his weaknesses because he's an athlete and a vertical passer, and they're having him – they're not calling design runs for him, and – they're having him throw a bunch of short passes, you know, and that I mean they're, they're they're covering up what the things that he does well. Maybe he's not it. He, you know, there, there's a decent chance that he's not it. Um, but he's but he's just piling up sacks, and he looks inaccurate and un- uncomfortable out there. And he ran for over a thousand yards last year. And you're mm-hmm. not calling design runs for him. Yeah. Last year they started off kind of similarly to this, and then I think it was like week five maybe a Thursday night game where they changed and they went super run heavy and they had, you know, they, they all of a sudden became an exciting offense to watch. They weren't good, but at, at least they were watchable. I think at some point Luke gets, going to have to pull that trigger and go back to that, that super run heavy approach because this, this is not working. Speaking of pulling the trigger, one thing the bears did do this week, which I liked was they deactivated Deontay Foreman and installed Rashawn Johnson as the one B behind Khalil Herbert. Now, Rashawn Johnson did not blow up, did not do anything that would really make people excited about it. But just the fact they deactivated Foreman, I think is really exciting for Rashawn Johnson. What do you think about the Bears backfield rest of season? Yeah, I think that Rashawn Johnson is probably going to be their starter by by uh, by October. And that Khalil Herbert is going to go back into that change of pace role, role in which he is very good. One, one last note, Darnell Mooney, who had a really nice week one, suffered a knee injury mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay, only played 15 snaps. So we'll, we'll see if he's available. He is key to their vertical passing game if they're going to do this thing where they go run heavy and they use play action and they throw the ball downfield. They need Darnell Mooney out there because he can run routes and he can get open. Dallas, easy, predictable win over Mr. Safeway himself, Zach Wilson, and the Jets. You know, I thought it was impressive that CeeDee Lamb was able to do what he did against the Jets for sure. But to me, the story in Dallas remains Tony Pollard easily leads the NFL and carries inside the 10-yard line with 12 of them and has a 17.5% target share, which is massive for a running back. I mean, I know we were talking about it all offseason, but Tony Pollard should have been and will return first-round value in fantasy given his talent, his role, and his environment. Evan, what do you think of Dallas's easy win against the Jets? Yeah, so the Cowboys' defense is so good that they are setting their, their offense up for great field position, and the offense has been very efficient. And Mike McCarthy, who you know a lot of people had concerns about, is doing a, a fine job as the Cowboys' play caller. The Cowboys are just living in scoring position. Tony Pollard, as you mentioned, 12 carries inside the 10-yard line. That is twice as many as the next closest guy. Dak Prescott has 15 red zone pass attempts. That's the most in the league. Jake Ferguson, their tight end, leads the NFL in targets inside the 10-yard line with five. So they are just living in scoring position, and and they're dominating. One other note I had here, um, Jake Ferguson already has five targets inside the five-yard line, leads the entire NFL ahead of Tyreek Hill a second with four. I mean – it seems like, and this could all be fluky small sample stuff, but they at least have a package of plays for Jake Ferguson 
around the goal line. That seems very, very clear. Yeah, that seems very clear. And also, Mike McCarthy, I love this quote. He was asked, you know, Tony Pollard had 25 carries. He he, he actually wasn't very efficient against the Jets, but nobody's going to be efe- efficient running the ball against the Jets. And he had seven catches in this game. He had 32 touches. Yeah. And he got asked by reporters, are, are you really going to lean on Tony Pollard that much? And, and Mike McCarthy responded saying, Tony Pollard has incredible endurance and he's built for it. Yeah. So wheels TF up. Tony Pollard right now is the number two most valuable fantasy running back in the league behind only Christian McCaffrey. B. John Robinson might be in there as well. Yep. And Eckler will be back soon too, I think, to be in the mix also. Uh, Packers. You sure about that? We'll talk about that uh, when we get to the Chargers. Okay. Packers. Jordan Love is fantasy's number two quarterback behind only Kirk Cousins. And that's despite playing without Christian Watson both weeks and without Aaron Jones in week two. Now, in real life, you can make a case Jordan Love has not been that great. He's only completing 58.5% of his passes, but he has six touchdowns on 29 completions and zero interceptions. Touchdown rate completely out of control for Jordan Love right now. But I think he's been better than a lot of people thought he would be, even if the stats are completely inflated right now. Packers blew that game in the fourth quarter to the Falcons. What do you think of their performance? Yeah, right now Jordan Love leads the NFL in passer rating. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, and, and passer rating is very much built on touchdowns and interceptions, which can be both can be very volatile statistics. Um, I think that his touchdown rate is probably going to be relatively, you know, it's going to normalize at some point, but you have to give him credit because there have been a bunch of injuries in the pass catcher core. He's out there playing with, you know, a bunch of rookies, a bunch of second year, later round draft picks. Christian Watson has not even played yet. Aaron Jones, who's an awesome receiving back, was out for this game. He didn't have David Bakhtiari, the stud left tackle, who apparently David Bakhtiari is only going to play on uh, on grass or yeah yeah only on grass so he's picking and choosing when he's available Matt LaFleur was asked about that after this past game and he sounded like he doesn't like this but you know Bakhtiari is making the decisions he's been he's been dealing with this knee these knee problems for like years at this point so Bakhtiari is going to kind of play when he wants to play yeah Jaden Reed oh by the way Elton Jenkins their stud left guard suffered an MCL sprain so it's possible they could be without well they're playing on grass this week against New Orleans. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll t- I'll talk about that in the matchups column. Jaden Reed has been excellent. I know that you have concerns about some playing, uh, some playing time concerns about him, but he leads the Packers in yards per route run yeah. and air yard share. I think Jaden Reed is very good. He's proven to be very good and explosive. He's only ran 18 routes on 27 Jordan Love dropbacks in week two. That was without Christian Watson and with Romeo Dobbs still dealing with his hamstring issue. Still, Jaden Reed earned eight targets on those 18 routes, four catches, 37 yards, two touchdowns. It doesn't seem like they want to expand his role beyond this slot-only role, no matter what's going on around him. So I think that caps the upside a little bit. But yeah, you know, I'm fine with Jaden Reed. I just thought Jaden Reed versus Puka was like a no-brainer decision last week, you know, results aside. Um, Vikings. This is a crazy stat, man. Only three wide receivers have run a route for the Vikings all season. Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison is it. No one else has even run a route. Addison remains behind Osborne as the wide receiver three. I suspect that will change sooner rather than later. 
Um, but yeah, it's just really predictable. And you have TJ Hawkinson in there, really predictable also. Now, this was a woeful, woeful, woeful game for Alexander Madison. I think Evan is more panicked than I am on Alexander Madison right now, but it's certainly not good. Evan, what'd you think of the Vikings game against the Eagles last Thursday? I, I would not say that I am panicked. I would say that I am shook. Yeah. Uh, because, well, first of all, I didn't expect them to have a good game against Philadelphia. They're missing their starting left tackle and their starting center. They just saw, signed uh, Dalton uh, Reisner off the street. Mm -hmm. So they obviously have major concerns about their offensive line. They were going up against the Eagles defensive line. It was the fumbles that, that were that really sucked. Uh, he, also, he also dropped the pass. He came into the game with two career fumbles through four NFL seasons, and he has two fumbles on an island game that everybody's watching. So that is – that. yeah, I, I was shook. They didn't go – well, they haven't yet gone out and signed Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt or somebody like that. But um, it's just it, – it's not a good situation for the Vikings running game. We, we, we need Alexander Madison to be out there catching a bunch of passes. I do have some concerns that they may start to lean into Ty Chandler a yeah. little bit more because he brings an element of explosiveness that Alexander Madison does not. So there's very few running backs in the NFL that have Alexander Madison's role right now. I'm not saying Alexander Madison is going to keep it for sure, but the role of playing at the goal line and in the two minute drill is like insanely valuable. And very few NFL running backs have that these days. My, and if he stains with that role, I'm not worried about it. My concern is that this team is 0 two. Mm -hmm. They play the chargers chiefs, 49ers in the next, five weeks or so if the wheels completely come off the Vikings and they trade Kirk Cousins to the deadline or something then it's just a really really bad situation all around I don't think that's likeliest to happen but they need a win man I mean home against the Chargers this week Alexander Madison needs to play well and they need a win here I think it'd be pretty go a long way towards the Vikings season one note Justin Jefferson leads the NFL in receiving yards with 309 through two games he has no touchdowns though yeah, he did fumble a ball out of the back of the end zone against the Eagles that was, uh, you know, turned into a touchback, which, you know, everybody complains about that rule on Twitter. And I mean, I get it, but they but defenses are using like cloud coverage against him in scoring position. And as long as the other dudes are scoring, I mean, they put up they still put up 20. And I know it was it was a backdoor situation, but they did put up 28 points against the Eagles. Jordan Addison has been getting in the end zone. Uh, Hawkinson had two as, as, as long as the other guys are delivering, like this is going to come full circle. Justin Jefferson is going to start getting in the end zone real soon. No doubt. Last note. I mean, I know there's a lot of hate out there for TJ Hawkinson. I don't really understand it at the tight end position guys who consistently get seven to 10 targets per game. I understand they're short. I understand that his a dot sucks. He's kind of compiling at the tight end position. If you were getting seven to 10 targets per game, you were going to be one of the best tight ends. It is a huge edge. And this week, TJ Hawkinson smashed every other tight end. I mean, he was a huge, huge, huge week winner this week with TJ Hawkinson and other tight ends just can't match it on volume. So yeah. So last night they going to Carolina was not a pretty performance whatsoever. They did get a 20 to 17 win. The big story was Jamal Williams leaving early with a hamstring injury. Tony Jones Jr. Comes in, goes 12, 34, gets two short touchdowns. They also use Taysom Hill a little bit more as I think they should. 975, zero rushing. The story for me though, is that Jamal Williams has been so bad, even before he left with the hamstring injury. But he's been so bad. Nair has a hamstring. Kendry Miller seemed close to playing this week. He seemed like he was legit questionable. I really like Kendry Miller 
as an ad for deeper leagues and see what develops here. Because man, it would for Kendrick Miller to like pass Jamal Williams should not be hard whatsoever. This guy just is not it. So any thoughts on the Saints game last night in Carolina? I think he summed it up pretty well. Chris Olave is a baller. Rashid Shahid is proving to be a baller. I thought Michael Thomas, although he had a low yards per reception in this game, I thought he looked pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And he also, I don't understand, he got his butt down. Did you see the the, the long completion down the, the right sideline? Mm-hmm. I guess he didn't get his feet in, but I mean, he got his butt in. I thought that that meant that he was in. I, I don't I don't know. Is that some rule that changed or? No one knows what the rule of the catch is anymore. So. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are those are my takeaways. Tony Jones stinks. Right. He's and not. So good. does Jamal Williams. I mean, with all due respect, you're hundred to one. I mean, so does he. All right. Uh, Giants. So they staged this massive, massive comeback. I talked a ton about Daniel Jones on the solo pod. You guys can listen to that. The story, though, Evan, was Saquon Barkley's ankle sprain. Did not look good, but now they're saying that it's a mild ankle sprain and he could be ready as soon as this week. That would shock me. The original diagnosis was three weeks. I think anywhere from two to four weeks here makes the most sense. I do not expect him to play Thursday night against the 49ers. Talking to Ron on about this still, my initial lean is Matt Breida first up, then Brightwell, then the rookie Gray, but still working on that. Evan, what do you think the fallout is from the Saquon injury here? You you know how I feel about ankle sprains, yeah. especially for dudes that have long history of ankle problems, which Saquon Barkley does. Some dudes just like have bad ankles, you know, a, a guy like just it's it's a recurring, almost chronic issue with Saquon Barkley. So it's it's, it's extremely unfortunate and we'll just have to see. They, they're playing Thursday night, right? Yep, yeah, San Francisco against yeah. San Francisco. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. I know yeah, it's not going to be pretty, man. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I talked about the slow pod, but it's such heart from Daniel Jones. You get down 20 to nothing, go mm-hmm. for 250 passing yards, run for a touchdown, throw for two in the second half. You know, got to give a shout out to Mr. Dimes. Yeah, he was did not play well for the first six quarters of the, the season, like at a, at a concerning level, but he absolutely ripped it up in the second half against Arizona. I, I agree with you. Very gritty, gutty, awesome performance from 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 Dimes. 49ers, I, I just couldn't believe the way they've used CMC, Christian McCaffrey, the first two weeks. He already has in the first two weeks, 115 snaps versus just 10 for Elijah Mitchell, zero for Jordan Mason, zero for Tyrion Davis-Price. Okay, if that usage sustains, Christian McCaffrey is going to like completely break fantasy, right? Like completely break it. He's completely out of control. However, after the game, Kyle Shanahan says, that he actually regrets the way that he's been using Christian McCaffrey. They need to get Eli Mitchell the ball more. And I believe that. Like, starting Thursday, I think we're going to see a lot more of Eli Mitchell here. Evan, what were your thoughts on San Francisco's win over the Rams on Sunday? Yeah, I'm well, I'm with you on that we're going to see Elijah Mitchell, like, you know, 8 to 11 touches um, on Thursday. Um I love Debo Samuel's usage in this game. That this that was a Debo Samuel game going in. And Brandon Ayuk got hurt. Do you, have mm-hmm. you seen the extent of his yeah, injury? Yeah, it, do, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a simple minor thing. I, I don't want to say no. anything, you know, too definitive yet, but it doesn't sound great to me. Okay, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait for inf- yeah. information on that. But, yeah, I mean, they're on a short week. They, they, we're we're going to see some Eli Mitchell on Thursday. Um Brock Purdy is like a stud, man. I mean, he's yeah. just a good player. 
Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't have to drop back to pass 40 times in a game. Um, he, his streak of uh, seven straight games, seven straight regular season games with multiple touchdown passes ended against the Rams. But, I mean, he scored a rushing touchdown. He's got athleticism. He just he reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins, but more like like a, like maybe a potentially better version of Kirk Cousins who obviously had success with um, uh, Kyle Shanahan in Washington. Agreed. Love Purdy. Seattle goes into Detroit and gets a win in a shootout. I thought Kenneth Walker's game was interesting and somewhat concerning. Very inefficient rushing performance from Kenneth Walker. Does score the two touchdowns which was awesome, obviously, for fantasy. But more concerningly for me, only 15 routes run for Kenneth Walker on 45 Geno Smith dropbacks. It was Zach Charbonnet and DJ Dallas sharing the rest of the routes. So listen, man, I mean, Kenneth Walker is going to be explosive play dependent and touchdown dependent. You know what you're getting into with him for sure. Evan, any thoughts on Seattle's performance in Detroit? Yeah, and they're still riding him. I mean, he's been the clear lead back ahead of Zach Charbonnet through two games. Will that change if he's inefficient? You know, Pete Carroll kind of tends to like stick with his guys. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Walker's going to start breaking explosive runs because that's what he does. Uh, DK Metcalf got tackled at the one early in this game, got hurt with a, a rib injury, but he played through it, wound up with 75 yards. He's had a decent, not spectacular, but but solid Start to the season. Tyler Lockett, who was a ghost in week one, got banged up. He was awesome in this game. Yeah. 10 targets, eight for 59 and two touchdowns. Um, and Gino, you know, with all the concerns about the offensive line, Gino played real, real well against Detroit. And, uh, you know, I mean, they might have had the most concern. The Seahawks might have had the most worrisome week one of any team in the NFL, alleviated a lot of those fears at Detroit. Yeah, I mean, piecing it together on the offensive line is going to be huge, huge, huge for them. Did a good job on Sunday. The Bucks. I mean, I want to take this with a grain of salt because the Bears' defense is laughably as bad as they were last year. But Baker Mayfield, he has Mike Evans. He has Chris Godwin. Rashad White's a very good pass catcher. 26 of 34 for 317 yards and a touchdown. Also, Rashad White. I, so, I like... Rashad White's usage, man, but on efficiency, I mean, he could be a sell here for people who have him in season long. Mm-hmm. He's coming off a 22 touch game, which was very efficient and scored a touchdown. Buck's schedule coming up is Eagles, Saints, Lions, Falcons, Bills. I think it's going to be a struggle for efficiency on Rashad White going mm-hmm. forward, but certainly a good sign here. Evan, what do you think of the Bucks game against the Bears? Well, I don't. I don't think I would tr- sell Rashad White because okay. I think that he is locked into this role. I mean, his competition is undrafted free agent Sean Tucker, who <laughs> he isn't very efficient either. I mean, he had eight carries for seven yards in this game, and Chase Edmonds. We know that he's kind of like yeah, he got hurt too. Yeah, kind of a jag and and, yeah. and got hurt. Uh, I love the connection that Baker Mayfield has shown with Mike Evans, who. Yeah, he went six for 171 and a touchdown in this game. In the in the first game, he went six for 66 with a touchdown. He should have three touchdowns right now because he dropped another one. He was making plays after the catch against the Bears. Like that, that That's always been the thing that was missing from Mike Evans' game is that he's like a contested catch ball winner and, you know, red zone, uh, you know, scoring position freak. But never, never has really been a run after the catch guy. I mean, he has been an absolute steal. Nobody wanted him in fantasy. No one. I didn't really want him. 
I mean, he would fall to the seventh round sometimes. Oh yeah. But but the connection between Mike Evans looks real, and and Baker Mayfield looks real right now. Agreed. Washington football. Um, oh oh, let, let let me let me note this though. They played their first two games against Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah. I, I know you talked about the, the you know. Those are potentially two bottom five defenses. They got the Eagles up next. Although, you know what? The Eagles are super banged up on defense right now. A hundred percent. And But yeah, I, I totally agree. That might be the two softest matchups this offense faces all year. Um, so yeah, that's worth the context. Last one we're here for the NFC is the Washington football team. So if you remember in week one, Antonio Gibson lost the fumble. The punishment was not there in week two. You know, Antonio Gibson still played 25 uh snaps in this game however touches were just massively 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 in favor of brian robinson and brian robinson came in and had an awesome 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 game so you know i I think that similar to a lot of talented guys around the nfl coaches like brian robinson more than most Mm -hmm. observers do similar to the way coaches like dave montgomery more than most observers to, or Jamal Williams, or a ton of these other guys that we don't think are that great. I think Brian Robinson is set up to have an awesome, awesome year, though, and he's being used in the past game. Evan, any takeaways from Washington's win in Denver? Yeah, I was way too low on Brian Robinson entering the season, and I will quickly capitulate on that front. Antonio Gibson, as you mentioned, he played a lot, but you know, I, I think they don't trust him with the ball in his hands because he. You know, he gives the ball to the other team. I mean, he's, he has like a fumbling problem. Yeah. So, Brian Robinson is going to continue to eat up touches. Jahan Dotson's start to the season has been pretty disappointing. Liked seeing Terry McLaurin make some plays against Denver because that was not a good matchup on paper, number one. And number two, I think it alleviates concerns about the, the toe injury ling- lingering. Sam Howell played real well against Denver. Um, so I, I think that that's promising. I think that Sam Howell's a, like a legit NFL starter. One small injury note I had, Logan Thomas got absolutely crushed. He's in the concussion protocol. I was hopeful they'd just go to like a full-time Cole Turner role because I do think Cole Turner can play and catch passes, but they actually split that with John Bates and Cole Turner. So yeah, a little bit muddled there with no Logan Thomas. All right, let's move to the AFC here with the Baltimore Ravens. This was the first game without J.K. Dobbins, who, of course, is out for the year. Snaps at running back in this game were 43 for Justice Hill, 32 for Gus Edwards, zero for Melvin Gordon. Routes were 23-10 in favor of Justice. Opportunities were 14-10 in favor of Justice. But but Gus Edwards did get the touchdown. Evan, what do you think of the Ravens' first game without J.K. Dobbins here? Yeah, I think that this may be the usage trend that they continue to follow going forward because Justice Hill is just a more versatile player and he's a little bit better fit for Todd Monken's offense. However, I don't know if Justice Hill is very good, mm-hmm. uh, at least as a, as a runner. Um, and I mean, he didn't have a big day in the passing game either. Gus Edwards, I mean, I think that we know that he is a good between the tackles runner, but he is obviously limited in the passing game. I mean, he's always been an efficient runner. Like he's, he's going to get what's blocked and then he can break tackles too. So I think that he's going to be a mainstay and justice Hill is small. Mm-hmm. So I think that he, that Gus Edwards will maintain a role in the nine to 13 carry range on a weekly basis going forward. 
Um, they were o- able to overcome injuries on the offensive line to their starting center, Tyler Linderbaum, and left tackle Ronnie Stanley to have a, a you know, very pretty. Lamar looked comfortable this week. You know, I, I think that he's comfortable now in Todd Monken's offense. I thought it was a very promising performance. We also talked about the depth that the Ravens added in their pass catcher core this offseason. Nelson Aguilar stepped up big time. I don't think he I don't think he played a ton of snaps yeah. in this game, but I mean he's like the best fourth receiver in the league. Odell Beckham goes out with an injury. They can bring in Nelson Aguilar. That, that's that's nice. That's much better than the you know James Proche and Devin Duvernay you know, the guys that they were run, running out there previously. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar comes in for just 14 routes, sees six targets and goes 563-1 on those six targets. Pretty crazy for Nelson Aguilar. You saw what happened to Zay Flowers with Mark Andrews back and just some more normalization of the target tree. Zay Flowers down to five targets, but still looked really, really good. Had a 52-yard catch in this game. And yeah, it doesn't sound like Odell's injury is major, but I mean, you know, I'm one of the things that, I got right before the season was Odell was just not it anymore. Through two games, Lamar Jackson is averaging 2.6 seconds to throw, and that is by far the best mark of his career. That, to me, suggests that he is comfortable in the offense, getting the ball out quickly. Efficiencies is is on point right now. I'm, I'm excited about Lamar. I still would – well, he had a bunch of scrambles in this game. So he wound up with 12 or 54 – but they, they're they really not proactively designing runs for him right now. Yeah, Buffalo. So James Cook goes off for a big game here. The concern on James Cook is the concern around the goal line stuff. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray have combined for four carries inside the five-yard line. James Cook has none. Also, in two-minute situations, it's been a lot of Latavius also. So look, man, James Cook, I think, can play. He's been good in the passing game. He was an explosive runner against the Raiders. But if you're not going to score touchdowns and play in the two-minute, your ceiling's a bit capped. I was someone who was taking James Cook a ton in round seven and eight when he got to me. I'm happy I have him. But it's not like a situation where he's going to return first-round value or something like that. Evan, what do you think of the Bills' easy-ish win over the Raiders at home? Yeah, it's it's what, it's what I expected. I mean, I, I expected a, a big bounce-back game for them, and, and they absolutely delivered – there were some weird narratives going on around Josh Allen. You know, he kind of finished the, the year slow last year. He was dealing with that elbow injury. And then he played the Jets in week one. And he didn't play well, mm-hmm. but he also did play the Jets. And so there were some narratives like, oh, well, maybe Josh Allen isn't it. Well, I'm pretty sure that Josh, we've seen enough of Josh Allen to know that he's, he can, at least he can be real good. And he was oh, real yeah. good in this game. He was the overall quarterback seven. On the week, he opened the game with 13 straight completions. He now leads the NFL in red zone completions. We saw Gabe Davis have one of one of really really one of the better games of his career. That that is a a, a defense of the Raiders. They they're going to give up long pass plays all season. Um, um, much more promising performance from Dalton Kincaid. Then in the opener, they got they got him working um, in, in you know in in the seams a little bit more. Um, yeah, James Cook. I mean, he had a ton of yards. Yeah. In this game, so we that, that's good that we know that he has that. He also went up against the Raiders. Their run defense has not looked good through two games. That Javante Williams and P. Ryan were able to run successfully on them in the first game. Uh, just a little context there, but I mean, it, it's good to see James Cook in 
a 20-plus touch role producing like he did here. I wanted to say on Gabe Davis, one of the reasons that I was so in on Gabe Davis this year at like around eight price tag or around seven compared to last year when he was going around three or around four is just some natural stuff that's going to happen. He got healthier off the ankle. Josh Allen got healthier off the elbow. Last year, Gabe Davis's catch rate was 52%. I mean, just brutal. Up to 72% on catch rate this year. And also his ADOT, average of the target, is shorter, 13.9 yards after being at 16.8 last year. Just give him a few more easier balls, like Mike Williams stuff. Just give you know, just give these guys a few more easier balls, and it's gonna may pay huge, huge, huge dividends. Denver, wild comeback attempt against the Commanders falls short. Denver is now 0-2. Both games have been at home. They've lost to the Raiders and the Commanders. Not good for the Broncos and the fighting Sean Paytons. I do think Russ is playing much, much, much better, though. And it was good to see Jerry Judy back already in week two. Jerry Judy comes off the hamstring issue, runs her out on 36 of 42 dropbacks. I think better days ahead for Jerry Judy if he can sustain health. Evan, what do you think of the Broncos' performance against the Commanders? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about Russell Wilson. You know, his numbers were spiked by that 50-yard Hail Mary touchdown yes. that, like, landed or ran John. Cortland Sutton deflected. I don't know. He got it bounced around a bunch. Landed in in Brandon Johnson's arms. Um, Marvin Mims like had two monster catches early in the game, and then was not seen from. Was not targeted again. Yeah, he had. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had two early targets, and then he did not come back. And he, he didn't like. He didn't. He he barely played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marvin Mims had two catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. He ran six routes in the game. He's still playing behind Brandon Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey. I have no idea what is going on right now. It's not like you can go buy him because he just had 113 yards and a touchdown. Nobody's going to want to give him up, but he's also barely playing. So I don't know, man. Really weird on Marvin Mims. Yeah. Russ took seven sacks on 39 dropbacks. That is not good. He took 14 hits. Yeah. I mean, Washington can get, can get after the quarterback, you know, but um. Yeah, I don't know what to think about Russ. He's, his fantasy stats look good. He has five passing touchdowns so far. He ran for six for 56 in this game, but I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Houston Texans got smashed by the Colts in a game that Anthony Richardson left after 18 snaps uh, due to a concussion, and Gardner Minshew finishes the game. Obviously, offensive line injuries have been a huge, huge, huge problem for the Texans, the concern for me is that Damian Pierce has only run 38 routes on 109 C.J. Stroud dropbacks. I mean, when your team is bad and you don't play in the pass game and your team's not going to score a lot of touchdowns, it's just really hard to get there at the running back position. So certainly concerns on Damian Pierce right now. The offensive line will get healthier. I don't know how big a difference that's going to make, though. Ugly one for the Texans here home against the Colts. Evan, what do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, they're missing four starters on the offensive line. Laramie Tunsil was out for this game. So I thought that it was promising that and I don't have a lot of respect for the Colts defense. I mean, they're going to be give, they're going to be getting shredded in the passing game all season long. But I thought that it was at least somewhat promising the Texans showed that they could play, they could put up some offense with their offensive line situation with the rookie quarterback, you know, um I I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball successfully. Though and so that that's concerning for Damian Pierce because as you mentioned he's not being used heavily in the passing game, and then 
oh, we got uh, a little bit of Tank Dell experience in this one. Yep. Because they place Noah Brown on injured reserve and Tank Dell, 10 targets to lead the team, seven for 72 and a touchdown. Nico Collins is a player that I was way too low on entering the season. They just, you know, they they had like five receivers that it looked like they were going to play. And uh, but I mean, he he has a unique skill set as in compared to as compared as compared to the other receivers in the unit. And so he probably has a, a, a hyper secure role. And and this and he's a perimeter receiver and the Colts are getting smashed yeah. by perimeter receivers again. Their uh, two starting cornerbacks are second-year undrafted rookies. So that's something that we'll, we will be targeting going forward will be the uh, perimeter receivers against the Colts. I like that. And, and yeah, I think Nico and Tank Dell both can really play, man, can really play. And unlike Davis Mills, when they get into garbage time, and yeah, this was against the Colts, but when they get into garbage time, C.J. Stroud is way more capable than Davis Mills of just racking it up. And I think that's good for, obviously, Tank Dell and Nico Collins. I like them both. Colts, who we just mentioned, Anthony Richardson was about to break the slate, man. I mean, 18 snaps. He had already run in two touchdowns and completed a bunch of passes. He was going to go absolutely nuclear in this game. Unfortunately, on his second rushing touchdown, he kind of gets tackled on his back and bangs his head into the turf, and he's in the concussion protocol now. This guy already has 75 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns in just like one game and a quarter. He's also completing 63.8% of his passes. He already has nine designed runs, third most in the NFL. Anthony Richardson, I think Evans made the Cam Newton comparison. And by the way, Cam Newton was like a top three fantasy quarterback every single year for a while. I, it's not crazy to think Anthony Richardson can do that. Also, Evan, what do you think of Colt stuff? Yeah, um, I think Zach Moss uh, yeah. coming, you know, coming like coming back from this broken arm and just completely taking over the backfield. I think we expected maybe Deion Jackson to play more, although Deion Jackson is really bad. So I understand why the Colts did not do that. But Zach Moss had 22 of 22 running back touches yeah. against the Texans. Michael Pittman, who's a player that felt real scary entering the season, he's fourth in the NFL in targets. Gardner Minshew came off the bench and played real well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that they can – if even if Richardson missed some time, they can keep it together for these guys, Pittman and Moss going forward. I think Minshew's one of the better backups in the NFL. Um, no doubt. Yeah, the Zach Moss thing was shocking to me. I could not believe that Deion Jackson and Jake Funk combined for zero. I repeat, Deion Jackson and Jake Funk combined for zero snaps. Zach Moss played 56 of 57 snaps in this game. We'll talk about him more on the waiver show coming up. Jacksonville. I was surprised, man. Jacksonville just never got their offense going in a home game against the Chiefs. Just never really got it going. It was a big Christian Kirk game, though, which is good to see. 82% of the snaps, 86% of the routes, 33% target share, 11 catches, 110 yards for Christian Kirk. Now, this was a game Zay Jones left for a little bit with a small issue, came back in. This is also a game they were trailing most of the game, so they had three wide receivers out there a ton, but still good to see it. From Christian Kirk, Evan, disappointing though, I think, for Jacksonville's offense here. What'd you see? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, who was awesome in week one, took a huge step back against Kansas City. I, I, I do credit Chris Jones came back and he was an absolute madman. And they were like letting him line up wherever he wanted. 
And he was like, Yo, uh, I got you on this snap. I got you on this snap. And I mean, he, Chris Jones was just unbelievable. He was like DPOY kind of player in his debut. He's fresh, you know, mm-hmm. and so he just wrecked the Jaguars offense. Yeah, I mean, very promising for Christian Kirk. Tank Bigsby, I don't think he didn't even touch the ball in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Travis Etienne didn't have a very good game. But again, Chris Jones was an absolute wrecking ball. And the Jaguars really just generated nothing on offense in, in this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to drop Tank Bigsby, but if you had to, I think I'd be okay with it. They're leaning into Travis Etienne big time. 104 snaps for Etienne this season, just 27 for Bigsby. Now, you know, I think if something happened to Etienne, Bigsby would be awesome. I think that Bigsby's role will grow, but if you absolutely had to drop him, I think I would be okay with it. Yeah, he fumbled in the first game, and I think that that was reflect, you know, this lack of usage in the second game might, might, you know, that that might have been a a, a contributing factor. I, I bet it was. Chiefs. So Travis Kelsey comes back for this game. They eased him in a bit off the knee injury. Only 26 routes on 47 Mahomes dropbacks. However, on those 26 routes, Travis Kelsey saw nine targets, just an absurd 35% targets per route run. That's what happens when your wide receiver rotation is still seven deep and it is led by MVS, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. So Evan, what did you think of Kansas City, who certainly did not explode but got the job done in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, I think one of my takeaways is always something with Kadarius Tony. Now he has a foot injury. So maybe that'll narrow the, the receiver core a little bit. We did see Sky Moore do a, a little something in here in, in this game, but he only had four targets. Um, I mean, just, you know, the, the wide receiver rotation, as you mentioned, is just so, so deep. Like we're going to have to wait for that to get narrowed. Rasheed Rice had one of the better games among the Chiefs wide receivers in week one. But he, I think he only played eight snaps or ran eight routes or something in this game. Like, they did not expand his role. No. I mean, Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, Rishi James, they all barely played. You know, they played, but they all barely played. So we'll see if that changes. But for now, it's MVS, Sky, and Watson playing the most in the wide receiver core. At, at running back for Kansas City, I thought that they would reduce Clyde Edwards-Alaire's role. And they did here 11 snaps. He did come to the game with an illness. But I do think they want to go mostly Pacheco-McKinnon at running back. Las Vegas, as expected, the Raiders were never really in this game in Buffalo. Devontae Adams was close to a massive game. He just missed a couple long ones, a couple touchdowns. But he's in late. They're getting buried. And unfortunately, he just gets lit up and crushed. He's in the concussion protocol now, along with Jacoby Myers. So we'll see on both Jacoby and Devontae Adams. But even in a game that Jacoby didn't play, Hunter Renfro was a non-factor Evan, what do you think of the Raiders' egg up in Buffalo? I thought that Devontae Adams got cleared. Oh, he might have already. Yeah, it's possible. Okay, okay. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, yeah, Christian Wilkerson, who had a big preseason. Yes, yeah, big time team yeah. preseason guy. Yeah, yeah. And you know that McDaniel's loves the cronies. You know, he's <laughs> you know the, if you played for the Patriots, you can come play for the Raiders any day, kid. You know, like that. That's Josh McDaniel's for you. So he replaced Jacoby Myers on the outside. Um, but in this game, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs were the only two players on the Raiders to catch more than two passes. Josh Jacobs, of course, held out of like almost all of training camp and just does not seem to have the same burst after missing all that time. Um, so that's that's concerning. Um I'll tell you what, they do have the Steelers coming up, though, on Sunday Night Football. And the Steelers, since they lost Cam Hayward, 
have gotten wrecked on the ground by the 49ers and Cleveland. So maybe there will be some daylight for Josh Jacobs, but he, he he's really been off to a, an ugly start, I think. No doubt. Chargers, another bad loss here for the Chargers. No Austin Eckler at Tennessee. Josh Kelly face plants in this game. I don't know, man. Like something always seems to happen with the Chargers. Like they look really good on paper. It's always something, the end of games or injuries, or it always seems to be something with the Chargers. This was a bad one, though. What do you think of the Chargers game in Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, people were asking me, you know, are, are you worried about Mike Williams? I mean, after he had, I mean, he had a decent opener. He had four for 45 and, you know, it was a bad matchup. I, I mean, he comes back with eight for 83 in this one. So you're feeling better about him. 13 targets. We talked on the, I think it was the Sunday show about, it was such an awesome spot for Keenan Allen yeah. and he delivered big time. Um, those, those are my takeaways. I, I never, you know, the Titans run defense is like for real, for real. So yeah. Josh Kelly having a slow game and you would, you would hope that he would be a little bit more involved in the passing game than he was, but him having a slow game should should really surprise no one uh, against this Titans front. It sounds like you're a little more skeptical on Austin Eckler health than I am. I thought it sounded like a normal ankle sprain. Maybe oh, really? You could ex- you, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe you could expand on on what you heard. I don't know. I, I'm worried about a high ankle sprain. Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw the term no timetable for return in yeah. regarding in regard to his the extent of it, and that that's that scares TF out of me. I mean. Yeah. Like Austin, I mean, and a high ankle sprain, these, they suck. Uh, one other note I had on Chargers was Quinton Johnston, their first round rookie, still operating as the wide receiver four. He's only run 25 routes this year on 86 Justin Herbert dropbacks. Josh Palmer has run 59 routes. So they clearly think Quinton Johnston has a ways to go to be a contributor. Yeah. Um, I had in my notes, Darius Davis played more snaps than Quinton Johnston. Yeah. Miami so they go up to New England on Sunday night football and win 24-17 I mean I don't get the Tua hate I mean all Tua does I mean the concussion stuff last year before all that stuff started he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL through two games this year you can make case he's been the best quarterback in the NFL and we know exactly where it's going Tyreek and Waddle are going to see 50 percent or more of Tua's targets. He's at 9.5 yards per attempt on this season. Team is so fast. It's so insane. I don't know, man. I really love this Dolphins offense just because they're so fast. It's just like Mm -hmm. so fun. What did you think of Miami's win in New England? Yeah, I mean, they've come out the gates with back-to-back road wins, um, you know, against tough opponents. Playing at New England is tough. And Bill Belichick had a great game plan to stop Tyreek Hill. They used three safeties against the Dolphins. They were able to slow down Tyreek, but they delivered in other areas. Um, Raheem Mostert went off. Jalen Waddell had 86 yards. Uh, I think he is in the concussion protocol right now. So that'll be something to monitor. Um, But yeah, I mean... You remember the the jerks on Twitter? One in particular who would uh, come up with this um, th- this terminology for anyone who is a fan of Tua, the the Tuanon. Yeah, yeah, like implying that they they're they're like conspiracy theorists that 
you know, pretending that that Tua was good. Tua is freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. You know, he he is getting the ball out in 2.28 seconds right now. That is the fastest in the NFL. When you can get him, and, and it's really nice because they haven't had Teron Armstead. It looks like he's going to come back. And the rest of their offensive line isn't very good. No. So he's doing exactly what he should be doing. As long as he's healthy, he's going to absolutely cook in this scheme. He's really not the most talented quarterback, but he is such a good fit for this scheme. And he's a quick decision maker. And, you know, obviously he's got the, you know, he's got, he's got ballers around him. But the way he's playing right now, like everything is on time. Everything is on schedule. He, he's been, you know, a top five quarterback through two weeks. And and he really was like a, a at least a top 10 quarterback when he was healthy last year. Only other note I had on Miami was Devon A-Chain was active for this game. However, he only played six snaps, even though Savan Ahmed left in the second quarter with a groin issue. So, yeah, it seems like they still think Devon A-Chain has – a ways to go. Raheem Moster was obviously awesome, awesome, awesome in this game. New England, uh, you know, it is what it is on New England. I, you know, nobody wants to hear it. They're so slow. They're so boring. You know, Devontae Parker gets healthy, but Kendrick Bourne leads them in targets. I like Hunter Henry. Juju looks like he just can't play anymore. It's just, there's nothing exciting about the Patriots whatsoever. I know they threw the ball 50-something times in week one and that led to some pretty good production but can't rely on that so yeah it's just i'm never excited clicking a patriot evan besides hunter henry i guess evan any thoughts on patriots offense at this point i mean i i agree with you know everything that you said um i'm trying to think of something to add to it oh i guess uh, <laughs> demario douglas had four for 40 in the first game this uh six round rookie who was tearing up camp little dude and then he had two quick catches in this game and then he lost a fumble and he didn't play again Devontae Parker came back from his injury and he was like the number one receiver. Mm -hmm. I, I know that Bourne had more targets, but Devontae Parker in terms of snaps and receiving yards, what was their number one? Um, that, that's all I, all I have to add to your stuff. Yeah. Jets. So obviously we knew going into Dallas with Zach Wilson, it was like impossible, right? They're like, it was impossible for them to do much. Zach Wilson, although I made a suggestion on Twitter, you know, I didn't think much of it. I made a suggestion that maybe the Jets could go out and get Ryan Tannehill if the wheels come off the Titans. I had Jets laundry in my Twitter telling me that Zach Wilson is better than Ryan Tannehill for like four days straight. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I could not take it. Zach Wilson goes to Dallas and goes 12 of 27. This guy's a career 55% passer, a career 6.4% yards per attempt. And my concern on this, like I'm not saying anything you guys who are listening to this don't know about Zach Wilson. The concern that I expressed last week on a bunch of the uh, rest season top 150 and waiver wire shows was like, Zach Wilson, if they're going to stick with this guy, it's awful for Brees Hall. Awful. And I love Brees Hall. I was taking Brees mm -hmm. Hall in round four and five a ton. It's all for him. I was taking Garrett Wilson in round two a ton. You cannot win. You cannot produce with this guy, Zach Wilson. Um, so you know, I, I hope that people sold Brees Hall after the game last week. If they do not get a different quarterback, it is really hard for me to see explosive Jets offense at any point. Evan, any hope for you after seeing what the Jets did down in Dallas with Zach Wilson? I love how you phrased that. I had Jets laundry <laughs> in my mentions. I love that uh, because that's exactly what it is. Um, Zach Wilson is awful. I, I mean, he is absolutely terrible. 
And I think that if he has another game like this, what do they got coming up? New England? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, New England, I mean, Bill Belichick is going to make it really hard on him. Bill Belichick has had two awesome – the Patriots are, are uh, 0-2, but he's had two awesome game plans back-to-back. They're going to destroy Zach Wilson. And then I think that the Jets are going to go get another quarterback. Right. That's what they got to do. And that's yeah. how the season gets saved. That's why, uh, you know, right. Tannehill or Cousins or, you know, something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, um, Garrett Wilson – Zach Wilson did have a long touchdown – to Garrett Wilson, but it was like all rack. Yeah, that was just a play that Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson made. He caught two of the eight targets from Zach Wilson. Yeah, um, yeah, and what and what a difference a, a week make what what a difference a week makes, and what a difference a quarterback makes for the the stock of a running back because Brees Hall looked like an absolute superstar in the first game, yeah. and he could get nothing going in the second game. Dalvin Cook is awful. Yeah, I mean he might be the the worst running back in the league. Yeah. Uh- the only thing I'd say about quarterback is like, you don't need, this team is good, man. Like their defense is awesome. They have really good skill players. You do not need someone to come in and win the game for you. You need a game manager like Orion Tannehill. And that was kind of the point of my post. You don't need Ryan Tannehill to come in here and set the world on fire. Steelers at the win last night over Cleveland led by their, I think their defense had like 26 DraftKings points or something totally insane like that. First of many games without Deontay Johnson. This sounds like a really bad hamstring injury for Deontay Johnson. He's been placed on IR. George Pickens got loose for a 71-yard touchdown. I mean, he was just wide open on a slant. Other than that, he was only 356-0. But given the matchup, I I was actually pleased and optimistic about the George Pickens result. Evan, what did you see out of the Steelers last night getting the win against the Browns? They can't run the ball. And, you know, Kenny Pickett hasn't been playing well. So... Um, that, that's a problem, you, you know, but that, that means that your passing game isn't great and your running game isn't great. And they were very fortunate to pull out that win against Cleveland. I was hoping to see a little bit more from Calvin Austin mm-hmm. than we did. He wound up with four targets, one catch for 10 and a, a rushing attempt for a loss of two. Fryermuth too. So I thought it was a really good spot for Fryermuth. Ah, yeah. yeah. He just, yeah. he just was not it. And, you know, like the Najee Jalen Warren stuff is playing out as we expected. You know, Najee continues to get less and less of the work. Jalen Warren comes in, gets six targets, 466-0 in the pass game. You know, like I, I was joking, but basically my strategy for best ball, at least this year, was like take all the backup running backs. Don't take any running backs early. Get all the backup ones. And, you know, like so I have a ton of Jalen Warren and, and all these other like, you know, backups. And some of them aren't going to hit like A-Chain and Bigsby, but some of them like Jerome Ford. And Kyron Williams, and if you thought Brian Robinson was a backup or whatever, and and Jalen Warren, like just at the running back position, that's just the way it is. So yeah, yeah, um, they do have the Raiders coming up, and the Raiders have not been good against the run, so maybe that'll help them get going. Najee Harris a little bit, but it's oh, they were cheering. Uh, the the fans were saying and were saying to fire Matt Canada. Yes, during the game, so. Yeah, they're they're all all aboard the anti-Matt yeah. Canada train. It's rare that if you tweet something negative about a team, you get the laundry actually agreeing with you. Yeah. But I tweeted something about Matt Canada, how he's an idiot or whatever, and I actually got a ton of Steelers laundry being like, "Yes, let's let's get this guy fired." You know, so even Steelers laundry has had enough of of Matt Canada. One other note: Deontay Johnson went on IR before the game. Yeah, and the Steelers have a week six bye, so he's not going to be able to play until week seven. Yeah, we just got done with week two. He's going to end up getting dropped, I think, in in a lot of leagues. Brutal, brutal, brutal. 
Last one we're going to do here today is the Tennessee Titans. Um, Chargers, I thought, actually did a pretty good job on Derrick Henry. Only 3.2 yards per carry on 25 carries. But Ryan Tannehill was very good, 20 of 24, despite DeAndre Hopkins being limited by an ankle issue here. What did you see out of the Titans getting a win at home over the Chargers on Sunday? Yeah, after the first game, I was like, oh, man, we're, we're going to get some Malik Willis or yeah. some um, – Will Levis. Some, yeah. some Will Levis, like, real soon because Tannehill looked really bad. He absolutely destroyed against the Chargers. And the Chargers' pass defense has gotten destroyed in back-to-back games. You remember, Tua lit him up for 466 yards in the first one, and then they get lit up by Ryan Tannehill. So that that's going to be a, a matchup for us to exploit – for the foreseeable future. Um, Tajay Spears continued to play a lot, um, but Derrick Henry had 28 touches. Tajay Spears had 10. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks made a, a huge play, 70 yards, only finished with three for 76. Hopkins was quiet, playing through that. Uh, it, was, it was an ankle, I believe. Yep. And Chig came alive, four for 35, after goose uh, airballing week one. Yeah. I, you know, this Nick Westbrook Akine stuff is annoying because he's out, he's out targeting Traylon Burks this year, 10 to seven, which I just don't understand, but it is annoying on NWI. It doesn't look like he's going away. And then like Chig's usage in week one was actually better than week two, even though the result in week two was better. Only 19 routes on 29 Tannehill dropbacks in this game for Chig, but still think he's talented and can earn targets at a high enough rate where I'd still probably want to have him on my team, although it's getting thinner for sure on Chig. All right. That is going to do it for this week two team by team recap. Appreciate all of you being here. I know we changed the format today. I know change is sometimes hard to digest. I hope that it was a positive change for you. You can shoot me a note with any feedback. Best way is DM on Twitter uh, with what you thought of the new format for the show. And yeah, hope to hear from you. For Evan, for producer Luke, if you're watching on YouTube, Producer Ryan is also in the background adding some beautiful edits. You don't have to look at our disgusting faces the entire time. So check that out on YouTube. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) 